Well, it looks like most of the clouds are starting to finally clear up. Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Started out as a hazy and misty morning. Uh, cloud cover for most of the day, but it finally looks like some of the clouds are breaking up just a little bit here over the, uh, our studio on the drive-in. It looked a little brighter outside. If I sound like I'm stumbling today, I apologize because I have my oldest daughter in the studio with me. She had an oral surgery earlier, so I've been hanging out with her all day. And my show prep is, for lack of a better word, a little bit lacking today. So please bear with me if I stumble over words or, or ideas or if I seem disorganized. Yes, that's partially how I always sound, but today it might be a little more noticeable. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. I want to go back to the topic from yesterday. My my uh, my friend Leon Wolf, he is the editor in chief at the Blaze. Um, he has a fantastic Twitter thread, and I just want to read that thread to you today because Leon pretty much nails where we are right now. Uh, so there's an NBC reporter that on Twitter said. Uh, this groomer talk is just warmed over 1970s homophobia return. There's not much more to it. Nothing about it is particularly new. Then he links to a, uh, a column at, at Vice. Uh, and my friend Leon replied with false. In fact, this enti the entire reason we're here is because of journalistic dishonesty. The widespread malpractice in coverage of this bill is just the real re is the real reason for the animus. First off, any journalist who refers to this bill as don't say gay or, any, or, or who knows that others refer to it that way, also without noting that this description is objectively false, is too lazy or too dishonest to listen to. It's important to ask, then why did people come up with this label and apply it to the bill? The answer is that its opponents did not want the people to know what they are actually opposing when they talk about the bill. And that is because the main function of the bill is to prevent public school instruction on sex and sexuality to kids who are ages five through eight. That, you can probably guess, is wildly popular proposition to anyone who has been a parent. This applies, by the way, to parents who don't care if their kids are gay or not. Age five is simply too young for a random stranger assigned by the school district to teach your child about sex. End of story, regardless of sexuality involved. The opponents of this bill did not want it known that they were opposing this, so instead they smeared the bill uh, and the bill's proponents as homophobic by lying and calling it the Don't Say Gay Law, and the media carried the water almost unanimously. Now, a lot of people opposing this law do not want public school teachers actually teaching kindergartners about sex or sexuality. They have been led to falsely believe the Don't Say Gay stuff and think that they are opposing that. They don't deserve to be called groomers. But the people who support the law, who have good non-homophobic reasons for doing so, are fighting a maddening battle with people who won't even tell the truth about what the law does and should know better. And that's the fault of the people who have lied about it. Frankly, anyone who thinks it's a good idea for kids in, in grades kindergarten through third to receive instruction for public school teachers on sex and sexuality has some unfortunate and uncomfortable explaining to do. Most people wouldn't defend that position. They don't even know they're doing it. Dismissing the punching back against serial dishonesty about this bill as warmed over homophobia is just perpetuating the dishonesty that led us to this point. If you're in the media and you're covering this story, you have an obligation to do better with the facts. The end. That's my buddy Leon Wolf. He is, again, the editor-in-chief over The Blaze, which is, you know, the, the media 
the media website and, and company run by Glenn Beck. Uh, I've worked for Leon. I know he, he is one of the most genuine people out there. He doesn't get a whole lot of credit for the work he does, but he has a very serious point here. Let's take a step away. That, that Vice article is one thing. Let's take a step away and talk about the media coverage of this. Now, I went over a little bit of this yesterday, but yesterday, a series of stories came, to, came out. The Washington Post, teachers who mention sexuality are grooming kids, conservatives say, from Vice. Conservatives are smearing don't-say-gay opponents as pedophile groomers. Uh, the Week magazine, uh, why are Republicans so concerned about grooming? New York magazine, why Republicans are smearing everyone as pedophiles now. MSNBC, the QAnon part out loud, GOP smears political opponents as pro-pedophile. This is a talking point that came out pretty much at the same time yesterday. On the opposite end of it, you have conservatives who are out there talking about the people defending, uh, the people who are attacking the bill, calling them groomers. And I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, but I want to go into it a little bit more. We're going to take a break here in a minute to talk to to go over it more. But I want to talk about the groomer stuff in the next segment. For right now, though, here's what you've got to understand about the, how these media headlines, how this talking point works. Sometimes it happens organically. Sometimes not. A lot of the folks who write these stories in the media actually all communicate in the same circles online, whether it's uh, the web application Slack, whether it's an email listserv that they're all on, they all email talking points back and forth to each other, whether they're in a group chat somewhere, whatever it is, they often communicate, they often talk about these things together. And that's where these headlines and these stories end up coming from oftentimes when you see something happen over um, a short span of time, the same talking point come out at multiple outlets, you can figure some of these reporters at least were talking to each other and others picked up on the talking point and ran with it. Conservatives are smearing opponents as pro-pedophile and groomer. Now, yes, in some cases that's happening, but you can't take the some cases, the small amount of cases on that and apply it to the whole thing. There are reasonable objections to what's happening in classrooms and there are reasonable objections to Florida's law. But Florida's law is overall a net gain for parental rights and education, which is the actual name of the bill, not don't say gay or anything like that. 232-1542. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back before I hop over to calls, I want to explain the grooming stuff and what is and isn't the actual grooming part of all this. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to be with y'all today. So a lot of the talk, a lot of the media coverage, a lot of the conservative commentary right now is all centered around the term groomer. And I, I talked about it yesterday. I will probably say a lot of the same things I said yesterday. And I apologize for anybody who was here yesterday that wants me to move on. But this is important. And it feeds into a larger Democratic problem that I'll get into at the bottom of the hour. What proponents of the bill, the people who have read the bill, who have looked at it, and I've, I've read the bill, I've looked into the Florida statutes, I've looked into the Florida code, I've looked at education law in Florida. In, in Florida. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an expert, but I have looked at it. Because when you're looking at the law, oftentimes we kind of defer to that whole plain meaning stuff. And what you can read in this is pretty straightforward. 
One of the complaints that people who are center-right have about the law is that it doesn't define, like, the term instruction. Instruction is mentioned hundreds of times in Florida law. Under education, it's mentioned several times, but it's never defined. A lot of the complaints from center-right folks, particularly uh, pro-gay and lesbian folks on the right— their worry is over the lack of meaning of the term instruction. When a law is written, typically key terms are defined within the law to make it easier to understand. There is no definition of the word instruction in the Florida law. So what does that mean? Well, that means that it's open to interpretation. The way election, the way education law works is that interpretation is done by the, elect, by the educational bodies in the state. The law goes to the State Board of Education. They interpret it. They pass that interpretation to local school boards, and they're the ones that put the policies in place at the local level, the way the system should be. It's a basic rule of Florida statutory construction that one applies the ordinary meaning of a word as commonly understood to the statute in order to interpret it. Meaning, when we say the word instruction in this case, we're talking about direct teacher-teaching-student instruction. Now, the term edu uh, instructional materials is defined as the classroom materials, books, etc., all that. That's defined in Florida Code. So if instruction comes from instructional materials, we know specifically what that refers to. Now, is it a little too broad for some people's comfort? Yes, I'll grant them that. But overall, the plain meaning of the law is still there. You look at how it's defined or used elsewhere in the law before giving up on it. We'll probably see lots of lawsuits that center on the meaning of instruction because that's how lawyers work when trying to survive a, a motion to dismiss, not how the canons of statutory uh, interpretation actually work in the law. The thing is, a lot of the argument has shifted from that now to the term groomer. What is a groomer? A groomer is somebody who is preparing children in order to abuse them later. And the law, the people who are attacking the teachers and the concept that you would teach this sort of stuff to kindergartners through third graders are not necessarily calling, um, they're not being called groomers by the proponents of the bill. Rather, when you introduce this type of material to kids at age, whether you know it or not, you are contributing to potential future grooming of children, if that makes sense. You are normalizing the subject's for these children, you are normalizing sex, you're normalizing sexuality and sexual identity to these kids. And by normalizing it, you are making it, you are making it easier down the road for somebody who is a legitimate groomer to sweep in and lay, the and lay further groundwork for abuse there. A lot of conservatives have seized on the term groomer and have seized on this whole pro-pedophile thing. And that's, that's not really fair to teachers. I'm, I'm trying to be as careful as I can here because I'm not defending the teachers who are actually introducing this stuff to kids. But when teachers worry, and rightfully so, mind you, when teachers worry about politicians bringing those sorts of politics into the classroom, either from the right or the left, there are things to be concerned about. 
but people who are opposed to the bill because of the vagueness of the term instruction or other legitimate concerns like how easy it is under this law to bring a frivolous lawsuit against a teacher that you may not like because that system will get abused that way. Those aren't people that are pro-grooming. They're not groomers. They're not for children getting groomed. Rather, these are people who have very legitimate legal concerns. There are people who would love to use this as a way to groom kids. Let's be fair. But the people who are against the law, a lot of them, frankly, are misinformed about the law. And they've been misinformed by a media complex and a democratic establishment that don't want them to know what the law actually does. When you inform voters of what the law actually does, the law has a lot of support, including from black and Hispanic communities. And that freaks the Democrats out. The law says you cannot provide instruction on sex and sexuality to kids in kindergarten through third grade, ages five to eight. Meaning that you cannot normalize sex and sexuality to these kids. You cannot normalize it for them because when you normalize it, that's when the problems start. This isn't an anti-LGBT bill. This is not an anti-homeless. This is not a, a what what did the guy call it? The uh, the war the the uh, homophobia uh, warmed over 1970s homophobia is what this NBC politics reporter called it. It's not that. The law itself doesn't mention LGBT, homosexuality, gay, lesbian, anything like that. The law simply says you cannot teach about sex and sexuality. And it does happen in schools at that age level. Even there are stories, there are reports out about that. Parents who come across it and are horrified of, about it, get it to the right press groups. And then there are investigations and things go forward like that. These things happen all the time. People go to the media all the time when they're freaked out about something that a teacher says or does in the classroom. There's a news story out there right now about a teacher in Texas that was showing kids just how flammable uh, hand sanitizer is. And some kid, and she would get some kids to put hand sanitizer on their arm and then light it. They wouldn't get burned, but the hand sanitizer would burn. One kid accidentally screwed up and did burn himself, and now that teacher's in trouble. When a teacher screws up in a classroom, when a teacher crosses that line, you bet we find out about it. But parents want to put a stop to some of that, especially the sex and sexuality, to these youngest kids. And they don't mind this law doing that. And that's where we are. People who are opposed to the law are not necessarily groomers. And it's unfair to call all those teachers and call those opponents groomers. That's not the case. What is the case is that normalizing this stuff in the classroom Will set, the, will set the stage for groomers to be able to come in and take advantage. That is what we should be concerned about when this type of stuff is introduced into the classroom. Two kids this young. Frankly, kindergarten through third grade, a lot of parents will tell you is not enough. Go into fourth, maybe even fifth grade. Definitely go younger than that because you know that's going to be the loophole people find next. All right, well, let's introduce it to pre-K three, pre-K four. 
There are crazy people out there who want to do that sort of thing. And there needs to be something in place to stop that from happening. Stop normalizing sexuality in children. 232-1542 if you want to call in. Now let us let us go in the next break. Let us go beyond just Florida. Let's talk about this media and, and democratic fascination with themselves in their own bubble and how it's affecting their interpretation of the electorate right now. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5. KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL, glad to be with y'all today. If you want to reach out, you can call in 232-1542. If you're a little too nervous to call in and be part on the uh, of the show live, check me out online at Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email Joe at RedState.com. So the Democrats are all in on defending this law. Even the White House has come out in defense of this law. And, you know, the White House is also pushing the idea that uh, hormone therapy, hormone blockers, stuff like that, all these things are necessary for these young kids who want to transition really early. That's not that great a thing. And they are really, really all in on this. And it's a really big misread of the electorate. I've told you for several days now, the, the polling is on the side of the Republicans. Parents are hugely in favor of this. Parents are hugely in favor of limiting this type of indoctrination in the classroom. But there's more. Hispanic voters find the term Latinx or Latinx offensive, and yet white progressives want to push that as the gender-neutral way of referring to Hispanic and Latino uh, people. They are all in on taking power away from parents and education. They are all in on pushing this super, super socially left LGBT movement far beyond the scope of what even some of the more mainstream members of the LGBT movement want. They want to go far beyond the scope. They think because they are in their own bubbles and because the Democrats are in their own bubble and the media is in the bubble with the Democrats, they all only listen to each other and they're misreading the rest of the electorate. Did you know that there is a fox that went around Washington, D.C. yesterday biting people? And did you know that fox was captured? And today they had to euthanize it so they could cut off its head and test it to see if it has rabies, because that's how you figure out if something has rabies, apparently. Did not know that until today. Did you know that was going on? You and I don't care. You and I could not care less about a fox that goes around Washington, D.C. And the liberals only care about a fox going around Washington, D.C. because they've been trained by their media betters that anything called fox is a misinforming, dangerous aspect of society that needs to be put down. Frankly, that the, met that the metaphor is so apt with this actual fox that's been running around is kind of disturbing. But the New York Times is covering it. The Washington Post covered it. CNN covered it. All these major media outlets covered this Fox. It was all over social media. Everybody was talking about this Fox. And you know what? While all this is going on, Congress is grilling oil execs. The House of Representatives is grilling oil execs, accusing them of price gouging, accusing them of just being evil capitalists, taking advantage 
of the instability to make a buck off gas prices because gas prices aren't going down as quick as oil prices are. How foolish the Democrats can be. You hear less about that in those social circles than you do about the Fox. Or the pro-life activist. You remember that story the other day? A pro-life activist. Police went to her home and brought out five aborted fetuses that were in this pro-life activist's home. The story stopped there for the media's coverage of it. The story stopped there. Nobody else is really talking about it. Some of the media outlets are updating the story, but they're not pushing it as heavily as they're pushing other stuff. You're not hearing about those babies. Do you know why? Because those fetuses were given to that pro-life activist by a whistleblower at a Washington, D.C. abortion clinic that claimed that those children were aborted outside of the legal time frame in Washington, D.C. in violation of federal law. Nobody's talking about it. Everybody wanted to talk about the crazy pro-life lady that had fetuses in her house. Nobody wants to talk about why. They'd rather talk about the damn fox. They are so in their own bubble. That's why when 35 snowflakes fall in New York, you hear about it on CNN and all the other news outlets because it's in their bubble. Never mind the fact that we still have storm-ravaged coastline that federal money still hasn't gotten to. Not a peep out of them. Despite the fact that it affects People way more than a bunch of snowflakes falling in New York City. They are in their own bubble and they are ignoring the rest of their country. And so that's why they can't see a red tsunami coming their way. That's why they cannot figure out why parents would be in favor of a law that prevents you from teaching sex and sexuality to kids ages five through eight. They don't want that being normalized for their children, but they cannot understand that. They cannot wrap their heads around that. Because they are so in their own little bubbles, they cannot see out. They can only consider the things that are most important to them. This fox, some snow that falls in Washington, D.C. or New York City every now and then. The crazy stuff Republicans do, but never mind the good stuff Republicans do. They want to tell you that the attacks on Katanji Brown-Jackson are racist and sexist. Never mind what Clarence Thomas still continues to go through and what Amy Coney Barrett went through when she was up for nomination. That was, that was all justifiable. Some crazy white Catholic lady and a, 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 a black judge that's a conservative. They deserved it, not Katanji Brown-Jackson. 232-1542 if you want to call in. We've got a call on the line now. Ronnie. Thanks for joining the Co- Joe Cunningham Show. How are you today? Yes, Joe. G- good. It's a great show. Uh, I'm interested. You're, you seem like I've been listening for a while. You're a, seem like a stats guy, and you, you kind of know you know stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, what percentage of our country falls in the category of the LBGQ XYZ, uh, you know, uh, area? I mean, it seems like we're bending over backwards for it, it a, like, usually... a very small percentage of the population. Yeah, it, it's it's usually I think the most generous estimates tend to be around five to seven percent. That's the most generous. That would be very generous. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you know, that's that's the thing. The in, in trying to accommodate and trying not to hurt 
anybody's feelings. And we want to accommodate, we want to push this agenda so, so that we're fair to everybody. We're accommodating at most 5 to 7% at our most generous. But I think when we're being fair to them, we're being unfair to the other 95%. Exactly. And that's one of that, that actually takes me back to the Katanji Brown Jackson stuff. That's one of the things that the Republicans were getting at. And the media ignored this because they went with the Josh Hawley stuff. The media ignored what the Republicans were getting at here. If you have a judge that says, actually, yes, uh, trans students have the right to compete on a, 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 a trans female, a biological male has the right to compete on a girl's team. Aren't you effectively, let, let's say that it's a Catholic university that's barring that. And a judge says, nope, you have to let them. Isn't that a viol- Isn't that violating that university's First Amendment rights to accommodate this one in a thousand person? That's what the Republicans well, are getting at. Well, exactly. And the thing is, I mean, I thought the majority ruled. Yeah. We've always been taught mm-hmm. majority rules. I mean, if the majority votes this way, then you got to go along with it. If you don't like it, then get a majority. We'll vote that way, and whatever you know wins wins. That's fine. But you know, it's insane. That and, and past the transgender stuff, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they want to have a, a you know a sports league of their own, let them have it. Yeah, it would be the best transgender of all. But it's unfair. Where are the feminists that screamed and hollered, you know, during all the um, Supreme Court justice uh, n- nominations and such? You know, where are they in this situation? They are getting shouted down. They are just the silence. The silence is deafening. Well, their 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 silence is forced. I mean, let's take J.K. Rowling for example. My my ten year old daughter sitting here next to me, which makes some of this conversation kind of awkward. But I hope she feels better. By the way, I hope she feels better. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, uh, minor oral surgery. She's fine. She's just got a big wad of cotton in her mouth right now. But you know, she loves the <laughs> Harry never Potter. Done that. Books. Yeah, yeah, she loves the Harry Potter books. J.K. Rowling is in the process of being silenced by the left because she feels exactly like you were saying. Where are the feminists in this? She, as a feminist feels that when you take away what what being a woman is and just give it to anybody who claims it, you've taken away from that. You've taken away from I the agree. feminist gains. And it's absolutely, there's, so a friend of mine, uh, uh, she's my managing editor at Red State. She's, she's looking to start a podcast that is, basically, we're real feminists. And we're going to talk about these feminist issues from the perspective of the right and why, yeah, I'm telling her to call it the right for uh, the right feminist rather than the the real feminist because I think the pun on right is better. But the idea is that you can be actually conservative and feminist because you're looking at these issues and you're seeing that what a woman is, which should be a wonderful and blessed thing, is being taken away by these far left activists. Oh, I think we lost Ronnie. Nope. I think we lost Ronnie. Thank you very much for the call. We appear to have lost you. 232-1542. If anybody else wants to call in. When we oh wait. Oh, there we, Yeah, there was there was something that happened there. Thank you, Ronnie, for calling in. 232-1542. If anybody else wants to call in, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna have a little bit of a shorter segment because we ran long there, but that's okay. More of that here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in. Real quick, do want to give a shout out to a friend, Miss Marguerite Fontenot, who is the uh, she is the dance director at the Magnet Academy of Cultural Arts in Opelousas. Tomorrow night at 6 p.m., her dance students will be uh, performing their annual dance recital. She is directing it, um, and it is at 6 p.m. at the Magnet Academy for Cultural Arts in Opelousas. 
uh, it is five dollars for adults, one dollar for children. And I can tell you because my my daughter is in here with me. She goes to Miss Fontenot's dance school in Opelousas, and we know what kind of show she puts on. So, uh, Miss Margaret Fontenot, if you're listening. Uh, I hope a lot of my listeners will end up coming to your show. Uh, I know it will be great, and I'm going to try to sneak over there tomorrow myself and catch it as well. 232-1542 if you want to call in and join in the conversation. All of this plays into the big social movements that we're facing right now. Yesterday I mentioned a lot of the social pressures that our kids are facing. And actually, I, I texted Brandon after I left here yesterday because, you know, on offsides, he and Shannon were actually talking about the social pressures of like prom and things like that. I texted Brandon and said, y'all are going to make me want to turn around and talk about this because I just got done talking about it and I have more thoughts on it. It is, especially after the last two years, it is incredibly difficult to fully grasp just where our kids are socially and emotionally in their development. We know that academically they're far behind. We know that. The, the, the scores show that. Uh, performance in schools shows that. Discipline problems in schools show that. Our kids missed a lot over the two years that we had inconsistent schooling at best. And we're now finding that the social and emotional issues that we knew were going to be there are actually probably a lot worse than they were. When Ronnie called it, he said, you know, how much of the, of the population identifies as LGBT? And if you're at your most generous, I've, I've seen ranges of 5 to 7%. The trans community is somewhere like at most maybe 1%. It's not a lot. It's a very small segment, even less than 1%, small segment of the population. And one of the things that you notice is that a lot of the behavior of especially the younger kids who adopt these labels, they are very inconsistent in how they've adopted it. They want to name change one day. They want to be called one thing one day. They want to be called something the next. Um, they want to, you know, in some cases, it's a girl that identifies as a boy, but if you are mean to them, you're being mean to a girl, and they want the boy, the, the other person, the boy, to be punished for, for being mean to them because they're a girl, and it's very inconsistent. The social standards are not fully set for these kids. And I... I you know, again, as a teacher, as a teacher who has interacted with LGBT students, as, as a teacher who's had students that have come out and said, I would like to be called this. I identify as this. I try, and this is going to make my evangelical friends, my, my Christian friends mad when I use this terminology. I try to respect their truth. If that's how they identify, okay. <sighs> Excuse me. That said... There are a lot of these students that you know are reacting to the social aspect of this. And they don't fully grasp the emotional, social, and psychological um, responsibility you take on when you claim 
this label. A lot of them treat it like they treat any other fad. That'll offend some people to say, I'm not calling it all a fad, but a lot of kids treat it as such. And they're pressured to by social media. Social There are accounts on TikTok and Instagram that actually sit there and proclaim, be your queerest self. Be the other you always wanted to be. Be the other we want you to be. It's really pressure to be the other that those accounts want you to be. They want to increase their ranks. They want to pressure more people, more kids into thinking this way so that the agenda can get pushed further and further. A lot of the kids that are looking at these accounts and who adopt these personas don't understand what all it actually means. They just want the recognition for it. They want the social status. They want the recognition. They see the media coverage of these things and they say, I want to be the next that. I want to do what these social media accounts are doing. And they fall into that pressure and they spiral further and further down. And then one day they just decide they're not anymore and they walk away from it. But during the time that they are, the rules of society are changing around them and being changed for them. And if they decide they're offended by something, they will go out of their way to make sure everybody knows about it. And they will force a societal change around them and then come back later on and say, ah, I'm, I'm tired of the fad. And it happens. I have seen it. I have seen kids who have questioned themselves and questioned themselves and questioned themselves. And finally, they just walk away and say, I'm, I'm who I always was. They walk away from it all. They do that because of all these social pressures that have piled up. And being alone at home for months during the beginning of the pandemic, being home, whether it was every other day if you were in a hybrid situation or school still closed down, being at home that much with nothing but a computer and social media did a lot of damage to their perceptions of society and how culture works. And as a result, they picked up a lot of things that they can now not put back down. And there is no cure for that right now. There is no cure for trying to get kids to wade through these social waters and come out with a better understanding of who they are and what the culture actually demands of them. And that's it for me today. I'm going to go ahead and take a 23-hour break when we come back tomorrow. All sorts of fun. Hopefully we'll get back to some other politics here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Remember, catch me on social media at Joe P. Cunningham on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and check out the podcast version of the show, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys. Talk to you again tomorrow.